I am Dracula. Oh, it's really good to see you. I don't know what happened to the driver and my luggage and... Well, and with all this, I, I thought I was in the wrong place. I bid you welcome. Listen to them. Children of the night. What music they make. Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Brick Pit. I'm Adam. And joining me today is our intrepid hosts, who I always refer to as intrepid. <laughs> it's uh, it's Josh. Welcome to the podcast, Josh. <sighs> <laughs> and Jason, how are you doing, Jason? Thanks. For I thought you were getting AI to write these intros for you now. That is that that was Chat GPT. Chat GPT is a friend of mine, sir. That was no Chat GPT. <laughs> I think that, that was uh, Chet Cheney that he got. That, there's, they, uh, there's shooting people in the face with birdshot jokes after this. They have screwed up uh, Chat GPT by opening it up to the masses, and it's messed with the algorithm now, so it's dumbed down, and that's the best it can do. So that's my story. I'm sticking to it. Was that also written by Chat GPT? <laughs> Hold on, I gotta write a response to that. Let me see what it says. Uh, yes, this was written by Chat. <laughs> Adam will be on a four minute delay. <laughs> <laughs> Which is no different than anything we've ever no. done. Actually, no, he's, he's not doing Chat GPT. He's just he's just slow. My brain is on a four minute delay. I think my wife would agree with that statement. Actually, all right. So, what are we talking about? Well, that's your show. Yeah, as as is typically the case when I host, I am. We'll find out four minutes from now. Exceptionally well prepared uh, to discuss. Hey, Adam. I just want yeah. to let you know you're doing really well. That's great. Thanks. <laughs> I needed that positive affirmation before we get going. I, this is an episode I've actually been looking forward to for a long time. Uh, we planned this out at the beginning of the year. And as I was telling the guys before the show, unfortunately, because life happens in the real world, it's so hard to find time sometimes to watch these movies. So I didn't get to hit all the movies that I wanted to talk about tonight, but maybe maybe there's enough uh, material here to mind that we can come back and revisit it next year around this time. But in the theme of Halloween and uh, October and spooky season, I wanted to do a vampire movie episode or vampire TV and film episode. Incidentally, as a side note, that's also the costume. I'm going as uh, a vampire. I'm going vampire as a podcaster. As a vampire co- podcaster, I'm actually going as uh, Laszlo Cravenworth, Cravensworth for... Halloween this year. You can Google that if you want to see. Just make sure that Clem Fandango can hear you. That's right. (laughs) Jackie Daytona, real human barking. (laughs) I'm just going as all Matt Berry's rolled into one. Jason, what are you going as this year? Somebody who does a podcast. Mm. Can't can't do that. I'm already taking that. You got (laughs) to. I, I'm going to go as Krillin from Dragon Ball Z because I'm already kind of round and bald. So I just have to draw some, draw a couple of dots on my forehead and I've got a perfect costume. And Ed Woodman also have a repulsion to you too when you come up. <laughs> that is true. My wife is an android. <laughs> <laughs> 
my intro originally that I wrote had to do with uh, vampire repellents. So that was, that's, that's kind of funny anyway. But, you know, vampires in pop culture, it's, I mean, it goes way, way, way back. One of the how, earliest how back films. Does it go? 1922, uh, <laughs> Nosferatu, which is considered one of the early masterpieces uh, from the silent era. But the idea of the fictionalized vampire kind of concept comes from, you know, obviously from Bram Stoker's uh, novel, Dracula, which I uh, just learned today and not real, just coincidentally, I guess, is so Vlad the Impaler is considered the real life inspiration for Dracula, right? And one of the things I read is uh, from an archive from Britain was they were doing research on Vlad the Impaler. And apparently the, where this mythos came from is he had a medical condition where he actually, his eyes bled tears. Bled tears. Yeah. It, it, so it read to this whole, you know, shtick about him. He was him. mad what, what, Milkinson? Was it, was it, was it, <laughs> was it Fira or whatever? I, you know, I, di- I didn't take that. Cause next I know step to go that that's, a, that's like a blood disease that they think a lot of vampirism comes from it. Like it recedes your gum line to give you longer oh, teeth. Um, you have an aversion to sunlight. So, uh, so um, an awful lot about this. <laughs> well, you know, it's something we, my, me and my community made up <laughs> years ago to, to fool, to fool the herd. The, I mean, <laughs> uh, uh, Wikipedia. Your community, the fat, bald, white guy community? Is that? <laughs> if you must know, most fat, bald, white guys are vampires. <laughs> so much makes sense now, actually. <laughs> In the, you know, metaphysical sense. Where energy vampires are. In literal. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was accused, actually, of being an energy vampire by my... Um, college roommate that's so i drank his blood and said uh, the, the, <laughs> i'll not, show you <laughs> yeah i'll be a real vampire no, I? I was i was very depressed and he told me that i bring everybody in the room down you know my dad had had a heart attack my girlfriend had broken up with jerk. me oh uh, yeah and he's like you're you like an energy vampire he's like suck the room. i was like i'm sorry that i'm going through a hard time <laughs> If you listen to the podcast, man, that still bothers me 20 years later. <laughs> Josh, Josh, just just let it go because at least you apologize. What's what's uh, that's, that's yeah, reverse his story, and that's the truth. <laughs> I'm a reverse vampire. <laughs> One of my favorite bits of uh, of arcane vampire war is about vampire pumpkins and watermelons. Have you heard of this? Do you know about this? So there's this, this sounds like a like a questionable joke, like a joke. This is not a bit. This is, this is not a bit. This is a real thing. <laughs> so in southeastern Europe, in the Balkans region, there is a, uh, we're, and we're pro- primarily talking about like folks from Romania in that area. There's this cultural tradition of a folklore about vampiric uh, fruits and vegetables, primarily pumpkins. It's exactly what it sounds like. <laughs> it's they're pumpkins that try to gather themselves and to clusters and attack unsuspecting humans and drink their blood. <laughs> it's, and it, and it's not new. Like this is from like the 1930s that this became like a really big folklore and like things you tell your kids. Well, I should say, I think Monsanto's patented that. Haven't they? <laughs> I was totally obsessed with vampires when I was younger. I played the role-playing game Vampire the Masquerade, like, probably way too much. Uh, I read I read all Van Rand's novels up to, I think, like, Mimnock the Devil. Um, I didn't read Anne Rice, Dirt. you mean? Anne Rice. Who, who did I say? 
Anne Rand. All right, yes, Anne Rand. You know she's a vampire. She's a an energy kind. vampire. She's a, <laughs> she's a capitalist vampire. Yes, yeah. <laughs> she bleeds the middle class. Um, uh, <clears throat> but you know, like read books on like the history of vampirism and stuff and, and vampiric right? burials. Yeah. I and, think every like, I don't know everybody, but I, well, I, I mean, also like, when I, like like I scoured the the college library for books on folklore <laughs> and real uh-huh. like burial practices and stuff. So you know, my victims would know that like I did the work. Like, <laughs> 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 nobody wants to be cheated out of that. I'm not you a know? poser. I'm, I'm the real deal. <laughs> like I, I did the research. I put I put the work in. When you become um, a serial killer, you have to put forth the effort to that's make right. it or, a or, unique experience for everyone involved. So, it's the difference uh, between a mass and a serial, man. It's the, it's the legwork <laughs> <laughs> and the dedication. I think, is, I think this is a really good time to you know, point out on this episode of True Crime Podcast that <laughs> <laughs> that it's, it is an unfortunate coincidence that they, they nicknamed you the fake vampire. <laughs> <laughs> Never got over it. Yeah, like. <laughs> My favorite was actually Count Facula. Count Facula. <laughs> so anyway, what I was getting to is like when I was when I was preteen or whatever, I was fairly convinced that my neighbors were vampires. Like for <laughs> real. Right. Um yeah. and I, which is why the movie Fright Night like 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 hits a hits a lot of notes for me. I'm like, I hear you, Charlie. They that dude is a vampire. <laughs> So, like, because they were always up at night. They never saw him during the day. Uh, turns out he was just a drunk. A tweaker. I was going to say tweaker, but yeah, that tracks too. Yeah, yeah. He, no, he was an attorney and, uh, and a drunk. Um, his nickname was Cowboy. You don't have to say it twice. <laughs> <laughs> One denotes another. Yeah. Turns out he was just he was just, he was just a uh, party Charlie. He's dead <laughs> now from liver failure, but that's a different you know, story. <laughs> I knew they weren't vampires when I missed their heart with the stake and they still died. That's how you know. Like, like, oh, that one's on me, guys. That, that's my bad. <laughs> that's, uh, that's my bad. <laughs> I think I could have used garlic or done something. The mirror, put a hose out in your front yard. You know, some vampires can't cross water. That's not a... It's not a big one in the movies, but it's in it's in the books. <laughs> so it's one of my favorite like tropes of vampire movies is the is that every movie has a thing where there, there's always a scene. Buffy the Vampire Slayer did it all of, where they talk about the quote unquote things you see in movies don't really work, <laughs> <laughs> and then they choose from but the that's collection. In every movie. <laughs> 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 But I, I, yeah, I think I think the vampire movie is the origin too of like really come, where the rules come. Like like it's yeah, very yeah, yeah. it's very codified, and that that kind of branched out into other genre, other horror kind of sto- stories and stuff. But like it's it's a very like rules lawyery kind yeah. of like yeah. genre. Like like they're these specific things you have to wait till the thirteenth when he gets paid. Then you (laughs) (laughs) just in there always, and there's always like some some new bizarre thing. Like, yeah, they can't cross running water. Why not? Uh, Jesus, (laughs) (laughs) it's like the blood that flew it flew it. I don't know. (laughs) I think one of the things, like you know, we've talked about Nosferatu is I believe that that is the origin of. 
they like killing vampires. Right. Yep. Uh-huh. And, and you consider that, I mean, that, that movie's just 100 years old now. Right, right, yeah. And yet that is such a big part of the mythos now that speaks to how powerful film can be yeah. in influencing. Not until Twilight was that broken. <laughs> so, <laughs> so what am I? Except for, you know, other movies, but yeah, yeah. Well, Twilight sure. vampires can go out in the sun. Yeah, and so can others. Yeah, but only in- Name five vampire that you can go out put the one sun. on your list. That's my list, but yeah. So one of my favorites. That's a whole no, different. It's one on his <laughs> list. Oh, that's true. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. There's a Reddit article with a list of a list of vampire vulnerabilities. This is one of my favorite bits ever, and one of them is get soggy in milk, and it cites Ch- Count Chocula as the example. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, a role-playing game we, we used to play back in the day was, was called Rifts, and it was like this futuristic Earth thing. But they like vampires play a big part in that, and they're invulnerable. But except the running water thing comes into it because like super soakers would like just like destroy them. Like, <laughs> oh, interesting. <laughs> so you'd run around with super soaker and hit them with running water and make them. Uh, I always thought that was neat. It's probably why they don't have it in the movies. Because what an easy way to. Though in the Lost Boys, they use super soakers full of holy water. Oh yeah, that's interesting. Oh, they, no, they're not even super. They're the little crap water guns, water yeah. pistols. Yeah. So what are anyway, we talking about vamp- <laughs> vamp- vampires? Vampire Nesferatu. Nesferatu. You know they remade that. It's never done well when they try to like remake a silent movie, and it just looks crap. Oh, they, they remade yeah. it several times, and yeah. I think they they're doing it again. That doesn't surprise me. Oh, that's yeah. another point I want to make. It's like this is like. This is 2023 if you're listening to this later in the future. But this year, uh, The Last Voyage of the Demeter came out and Renfield came out. Like, they didn't, neither of those movies did particularly well. But I think critically, The Last Voyage of the Demeter was supposed to be really good. I haven't had a chance to see it yet, but not either. But I've heard that it was really good. People who, this is a perfect example of like people who don't understand books. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. A vampire on a boat. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's a thing. It's in the book. Um, the this I think it was seventy nine that was the the Werner Herzog yeah. Nesferatu. That's really good. That's fair. Yeah. Well, Klaus Kinski, you know. Yeah. You give that dude an opportunity to be weird and <laughs> creepy, it, it's going to succeed. Kind of a sideways remake of it was the uh, John Malkovich film that was about the making of. Oh yeah, um, we're we're. Uh, Oh, okay. he, I can't remember his name now, but the the actor was really actually was a, a vampire. vampire. Yeah. And, um, so it's it's like a real neat intersection between film history and and monster movies. Good, it's good good time. Another thing that's kind of interesting about the genre, and, and because of the rule thing, and like you said, like that doesn't happen in the movies. I had trouble like picking out my favorite vampire films because so many of them are like predicated by other vampire movie like like fright night i love mm-hmm. but like fright night out of context of all other vampire movies is no good yeah right like it it truly it needs did, to like, survive uh, because of the other yeah. right many many vampire movies depend on vampire movies to be <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, yeah it's a snake eating its own tail because it's unlike so like you know like it's funny to me because zombie media of recent recently zombie media has this thing 
where they try to avoid saying the word zombie as if it doesn't exist in that universe. Like the concept of zombies doesn't exist in the universe. There's a whole host of examples of this in, in film and, and TV where they're like, they'll call them anything but zombies. Like the word just doesn't exist in that universe. Whereas vampires, it's as if they've always existed and they predate, <laughs> they predate media and that we, you know, the only reason that we have movies about vampires is because we let you make movies about us. You know, like it's that right. kind of, <laughs> which is kind of well, a different the, take. When, whenever you do a folklore movie, that's kind of, it's like the, the modern day horror film. Like you got to do something with a cell phone. Like you've yeah. got to address that. Like who doesn't know what a werewolf is. You sort of right. see some dude turning into a dog and go, what the hell? It's like that dude's a werewolf. Let's go get silver bullets. Right. Like, like, like who? It's it, who doesn't know that? Like, right. Right. Also, yeah. I want to. I want to point out, Josh, that the last time that happened, you came back with a six pack. So you you don't quite know all the rules properly. <laughs> uh, Bob Seeger was with me. <laughs> yeah. We were back in the high life, man. <laughs> so long history going all the way back to the 1730s. I just I just want to say one last thing, though. Yeah, uh, sure. The only line I actually remember from Bram Stoker's Dracula that I can quote yeah. is from pretty much the beginning. And uh, it's I made a hasty toilet. <laughs> I'll, well when i talk about it, i'll get to the there's, there's a I mean, we'll, we'll start okay, with well, you go ahead because that's the classic right that's the one bram stroker's dracula here occurred the frightening and shocking history of prince dracula and the woman he loved i have crossed oceans of time to find you <sighs> Yeah. Dracul. There is a sinister, darker side to him. I find irresistible. I have never met any man with such a passion for life. He is unlike any man. What are you? Vampires do exist. This one we fight. This one we face can take on many forms. He is both young and old. He can appear as mist, as vapor, as the fog. And he can vanish at will. The power of his evil desire has no end. You've got to go to him. You got to love him. She is a willing recruit, a devoted disciple. She is the devil's concubine. Dracul! Join me in the eternal life. Your salvation is his destruction. Yeah! I want to be what you are. I want to see what you see. I want to love what you love. Take me away from all this death.
mistake. He must be stopped. Which was uh, Francis Ford Coppola's retelling of Bram Stoker's Dracula. Is, Who's it by again? <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's, it's a cinematic uh, oddity in a lot of ways. Um, Gary Oldman plays the, the titular Dracula. And there's a line in the film. God, who are you? I know you. I have crossed oceans of time to find you. He said he read that line and he was like, I'm going to do this movie just for that line. And they almost cut it. He was like, this is why I'm here. You cut that line, I'm going to cut you. That's what what he said. I'm going to go do Sid and Nancy too. (laughs) (laughs) Electric boogaloo. Sid and Nancy in space. What I like about this film is that it is a pretty faithful adaptation of the book. Let me ask you this real quick. Do you like the book? I mean, you said you got into vampire stuff. So I, I I will confess. I did not read the book until maybe 10 years ago. And yeah. and it's I a hard think book it's, to read. It is a it's hard fantastic. Book to read. It's it's basically it's, it's diary entries. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. and in like telegraphs and yeah, yeah. newspaper articles, it's it's a found footage book, which is a um, which is so clever for the for its time. It, like, yeah, it's I mean, it's groundbreaking. And what's what's cool is this year what I'm doing is, I think it started in April, or but you sign up you sign up for this email, and it sends you the piece of the book. From that, from that, whatever day oh, in the that's story. So, like, you may not get an email for like six days, and then, like, you know, like September fifteenth, you'll get the letter John Harker wrote, and like, oh, okay. So you're kind of reading it in real time. That's it's been it's been a really cool experience. I, I um I highly recommend, and it, you know, it's free. Just pop in your email. It's it's a cool thing to do. I'll probably do it again next year. Where did they do that though? Just look up. Daily email Dracula, <laughs> and then sign up all your friends and family against their will. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so here's here's what I like about the film: a lot of the performances are weak. Winona Ryder does fair. Count Reeves is pretty weak in the film. Um, he's not a great Jonathan Harker. But what I like about the film is that. It is all done using what was available at the time Dracula was written. And when it came out, I didn't realize that, you know? So, and, and what was funny is like, everybody made a big deal about some of the special effects, but it was all like literal smoke and mirrors. It was all practical effects. It was all stuff from like stage magic or in camera edits. But so like, like looking at it from a film perspective, it's mind blowing. There's a scene where Dracula is out in the day it's like shot on a camera from like the 1900s. So it's not like faking what the film looks like. And, you know, know that's interesting. uh, Watch some behind the scenes stuff on it It is amazing. The care and like Coppola there's, he's talking about how like all these SFX guys were like trying to guide him into the traditional way of doing things. And he was like, and there's, there's a clip I saw of him just like one, just, busting these dudes up like this is not what i asked for you to do why are you bringing this stuff in here like wow. 
going straight like apocalypse now on him. But so he fired them all and he hired a son because he's big into nepotism. But <laughs> I want to hire somebody I can beat. <laughs> yeah, well, well, he was like, he's like, I know they do what I ask them to. That's and, fair. And there's a there's a picture of him talking to his son who did was in, who was head of all the special effects and, and Sofia Coppola is like right there like looks like she's being a PA or something. If you look at it at that, it's like it has some really really cool effects. It, it holds up well. And his son said something like, he said this would probably be the last movie ever made like this, but I hope not. And I, and I think he's kind of he was kind of right, you know, because even back in in the in the mid nineties or what was it ninety, I don't know. 90-something. There's that great <laughs> research we're known yeah. for. Anyway, it was such a big lift for them to have to do that. You had to be Francis Ford Coppola to be like, no, we're not doing green screens. We're going to shoot it all on sets, and we're going to shoot it with, you know, obviously modern versions of it, but the, a lot of it is just when the shadow's moving differently than Gary Oldman, it's because there's a guy, different guy, like, you know. Uh, there's a scene where... Uh, Keanu Reeves is shaving in the mirror and Dracula comes up from behind him and you don't see him in the mirror. It's because yeah, that's cool. there's a false set behind him. It's like, like the, the Marx brothers mirror yeah. trick. Like it, it, it's, it shows that it's still effective and it still works. I just really appreciate the thought that went into it, you know, cause it was, it was a big movie, you know, right. it was a big blockbuster movie, but he still, crafted it with an artist eye and with like an auteur. Yeah. Yeah. Those those as a teenager, there was a lot of nudity in it that as a teenager. Maybe I mean we gotta watch this for the podcast. I mean film film and stuff. Movie school forty eight when it came out. (laughs) (laughs) There's something for everybody. (laughs) That is an aspect you'll actually see a lot in a lot of vampire films because one of the things that we link to it is sensuality. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That Dracula was a, uh, the expression of the repressed sexual desires of Victorian era England or whatever, however you want to couch it. But there's, there's certainly vampires are the sexiest of the monsters uh, <laughs> until you get to shape of water fish men. Yeah. Right. <laughs> The creature from the Black Lagoon is, you know. Yeah. Everybody's, is, got, yeah, their, everybody's got their own thing. Don't kink shame. <laughs> sex and vampires. Is, is, and there's, you can get into, like, there's a lot of psychosexual, so drinking blood mm-hmm. and, and life force, you know. And then there's aspects of control. There's a lot going on in, <laughs> in and, the subtext and of vampires. of birth and death and, yeah, and like, and, all this, yeah. And it lends itself to to exploitation in that same vein because, like you know, the I don't think the Hammer horror films were thinking about that stuff when they're just like, hey, you know, we have some TNA going and some blood and guts. <laughs> Not that there's anything wrong with that. I mean, that's that's a perfect choice. But those aspects are there regardless of like you can't ignore them. And if you lean yeah. into them, yeah. even for for exploitive means, they're they're still there. Like you just can't sexless vampires or you get twilight. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so that's just a funny thing to say. <laughs> Jason, how about you, man? Okay. So the, the movie that I think I enjoy the most out of the vampires 
is the 1987 Catherine Bigelow Near Dark. Separate your head from your shoulders. Do it fast. All right. The time's roll. Woo! No! You might as well just kill me then, too. Caleb Colton no longer belongs to our world. We'll give him a week to see if we can call him one of us. He belongs to hers. But you have to learn to kill. He belongs to theirs. I don't want to kill. He makes a kill tonight. And they all belong to the night. It's three hours short for a bus to get home. You help me out? What are you on? Believe me, I told you. Just don't think of it as killing. Evening. Evening. Don't think at all. It's just something that you do night after night. It's only ever a question of hours. Nervous. I would be too if I were you. Near dark. The bigger boys fall in with control. Check out time. Put yourself some time, son. Like damn, this is my family. Let him go. Near dark. Catherine Bigelow is known for a lot of more popular movies than this. Uh, she did the original Point Break, one of Josh Amon's other favorite movies, Strange Days. Oh, yeah. But she's probably best known for her multi-award winning The Hurt Locker. Mm-hmm. This is a movie that she co-wrote and directed. It didn't do very well at the box office. It was on HBO for like six months, and then it just like disappeared for over a decade. Like it was one of those movies that I wasn't even sure that I actually watched or just kind of dreamt that existed until they finally made a uh, a DVD of it in the the aughts. They just mailed it directly to you. It's just one DVD. This is a long con that we've all been playing yeah. for a while now. <laughs> it has those aspects that Catherine Bigelow like does very well, and it's it's a mix of genres. Uh, it's it's a horror thriller, but it's also a road movie. Bit of a western yeah. edge to it, exactly. And it it has a good deal of the cast from Aliens. Mm-hmm. It's got Lance Hendrickson, Bill Paxton, and also uh, Jeanette Goldstein. The story is it starts in Oklahoma. This guy is kind of going out, and he's just in this podunk town. He sees this beautiful girl. He starts talking to her and he starts, you know, trying to put the moves on her and everything. And she winds up biting him and he runs away from her. As he's running to his house, he gets abducted by these people in an RV. And you find out they're all vampires. So she bit him but didn't bleed him. So now he's turning into a vampire. And so it's a road movie where they're going around from city to city. You kind of get this inside look at the this nomadic culture of these modern-day vampires. This is one of the movies, they don't come out and say vampire directly, but, you know, all the clues are there. Like, it, it doesn't hold your hand anything, but it, it 
it gives you all the clues to let you know this is exactly what it is. The main character is not stupid. You know, he, he gets it. He didn't, he I'm a family. Like, he's like, okay, sunlight's, I assume is going to kill yeah. me. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, he finds that at the beginning because as he's running home, mm-hmm. the, the sun's coming up and he's smoking, yeah. running across a field. The The great thing about it is the, the visuals of all the characters. Uh, Lance Hedrickson is kind of the, like the leader of the group. You When you first see him in like the RV, like he's driving and on the back of the seat is an old Confederate flag. He's the only one you really actually get a, a direct line that tells you his backstory. And, you know, the thing he, he says, you know, I fought for the South. But you see, like, in their wardrobes, like, there's pieces, you know, bits and bobs that, that tells their backstory. Like, Bill Paxton is definitely, like, an Old West cowboy because mm-hmm. he has a six-shooter. He, you know, he walks around with spurs on and boots. Uh, and when he goes out hunting, he kind of dolls up in a nice shirt and everything. Jeanette Goldstein's character, Diamondback, she's got like an old, like puffed out blonde hair, you know, kind of giving her maybe like a a, a 30s or, or 40s kind of look to her. The other one is like a 10-year-old boy. But the way he talks, you know, and, and Hendrickson even calls him old man because he's, you know, he was bled as a kid, but he's grown mentally over the times. And so, you know, he's, of course... That juxtaposition, he's a small body, but he's cursing and doing all kinds of stuff. But yeah. it, it's it's visually a very brilliant film. The thing is that that he's he's having to learn how to be a vampire to like feed and all that kind of stuff. But he doesn't want to. He doesn't want to kill. And that's the thing that puts him against the rest of them. Because if he doesn't do that, then he's just a drag on everyone else. That's another trope that we find re- recurrent mm-hmm. is the... Self-loathing vampire. <laughs> <laughs> well, in in the in the the kind of um, tug of war of like losing uh, of murder, losing your losing humanity, humanity yeah, as you kill, becoming just, something different. But like yeah. I think uh, Lance Hendrick and um, Bill Paxton talked about, they loved this film. They loved working oh, yeah. on it, and they they had detailed backstories Back yeah. of their characters. And there was there was talk for a while after it was made that they were going to do like a kind of prequel, and it just never. Yeah, it culminated. didn't do well. But they they talked for years about about doing. Yeah. It. They just loved the film. Hendrickson had this great story about you know him and Bill Paxton sat down and just came out with this just long detailed backstories for their characters, and they were shooting. They're they're shooting in the Southwest, so they got the weekend off, and said they realized they were near Tombstone. He said, so we got in the car and decided to go, you know, check on some old friends. And he said, and we're driving. He says, we didn't like stop by like the, the wardrobe or makeup or anything to get anything taken off. Or it's like, we just, they yelled <laughs> cut. We jumped in this car that I rented and we started driving on the highway. <laughs> he said, we got pulled over. The trooper walked up. He said, I'm sitting there. We've got fake blood all over us. I've got these long fingernails, sharp fingernails on me and everything. We just kind of looked at him and smiled. So the guy just turned around and walked away. (laughs) (laughs) I ain't about that paperwork today. (laughs) (laughs) I don't want to search that trunk. Uh, I'm getting off in 10 minutes. I ain't got time for this crap. So that's a story of a a cop not doing their job. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> this this is a great 
great horror film. It is because uh, uh, the B story is the main character's father, uh, played by Tom Thomerson, is looking for him. Like they actually get in the car and go looking for him. They wind up finding him. And then, you know, the simplest solution ever to your son being a vampire is give him a blood transfusion. <laughs> Fixes him right up. It's like doing a tune-up on an old car. It just runs perfectly. I think, I think there is there's some there's some hand waving about and to and you don't you gotta kill somebody yeah. for it to for it to set. Like for the for the vampire to sit in your blood. No, it's not that it's because he he needs blood to survive. And what the girl who turned him is doing is just she's killing victims and he's taking blood from her. Oh, I see. Instead of okay. killing on his own. This movie is great. It does that thing we've we've talked about before. It's like it sets everything up. Mm-hmm. Because at the end there is a scene where he runs over Bill Paxton's character with a, a semi truck and there's a scene earlier when the, you know she's trying to show him how to hunt where they hitchhike and get picked up by a trucker and they're just talking to kind of you know build the trust and everything and the trucker's just showing him like all the things he has to do to drive the truck you know so you've got to break the trailer before you start breaking the cab or else you'll jackknife and stuff like that so it it sets everything up very well there's a good scenes where they're they're showing them on the hunt like the the kid has a bicycle that he carries around with him and he'll just lay it on the side of the road and lay down next to it <laughs> and wait for somebody passing to stop and go check on him. And then that, he kills him. That's how I do all my Christmas shopping. Is I just lay down with my <laughs> UPS truck. <laughs> so the, the moral of the story is don't help anybody. <laughs> <laughs> and if you get pulled over by a cop in Tombstone, Arizona, you got nothing to worry about. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> This question so is brought to you by Tombstone PD. <laughs> I thought you were going to say Tombstone Pizza. I was like, what? <laughs> yes. The vampire, the vampire of pizzas. <laughs> that's, that's, that's the choice of Tombstone PD. <laughs> but it, it's a very brilliant film. It's a very well-made film. Like I said, Catherine Bilgelow is, is a great director, and she's showing off all of her talents here on how she yeah. frames it, the shots, lighting, Everything just works so well to bring it all together. Even even in light of her getting so much accolades for the Hurt Locker, she is still underappreciated yeah. for yeah. her for her filmography. And, and I'm not I'm not just saying that like she should be uh, in any conversation where you're talking about like uh, action films and stuff. She needs to be part of the conversation. Fantastic director in all of her films have a bite to them. Uh, <laughs> But there, there's, there's certainly subtext of like, you know, like in this film, family is a big subtext and, and versus, you know, birth family versus chosen family and yeah, that's good brokenness and stuff. There's like, there's, there's a lot going on and there's a lot of choice in the, in, in the whole dichotomy between the dark and the light is, is really self-evident in the film. You want to show me? What about it? It's dark. I noticed. It's not so bright. It'll blind you. I can't see. Well, listen. Do you hear it? Listen. I don't hear nothing. Well, listen hard. Do you hear it? I hear what? The night, it's definite. 
I haven't met many girls like you. Yeah, you haven't met any girls like me. Look up. Stars. See that one? First one I laid my eyes on. And the light that's leaving that star right now will take a billion years to get down here. You want to know why you've never met a girl like me before? Why? Because I'll still be here when the light from that star gets down here to Earth. It is. I'd like to be there too. Maybe. Well. Who knows? I sure haven't met any girls like you. No, not you sure have. But uh, it's worth the price of admission, even if you don't like vampire films or horror films, the diner scene. With yeah. uh, with Bill Paxton is probably it's utterly terrifying, in, but you cannot look away. It is probably other than some of his scenes in like A Simple Plan, I would say probably his strongest performances. Uh, I think part of, his of it career. is his character of Severin is kind of like a was it a Jet from Weird Science? If he was a vampire, like that same <laughs> just kind of jerk. Yeah, <laughs> revel you know, like yeah, we're like rebels in, in just being a bad guy. Yeah, he doesn't he doesn't have the moral quandaries. Like he is he is all in on this is what I am and I'm gonna do the best I can at it. And it like in that diner scene that we we're talking about, like he is goading everyone else mm-hmm. in there to to try and fight him and everything. He's he takes joy in being able to to break their bones and, and drink their blood and everything and be superior to them. Yeah, it's it's fantastic. So one of the reasons I wanted to do this episode is because, and I've talked about this quite a bit, but one of my favorite things to exist in the post-pandemic world is the television show, What We Do in the Shadows. Make me a vampire. Sure, man. I thought the transformation would be overnight, but it's been 16 days. I can't turn into a bat yet. Human form. I am running for comptroller. Can't wait to flex my blue color bona fides on the debate stage. Three weeks ago when I started this. Check, microphone, microphone. I can no longer wait. Take me to United States. Take me to Golden Gate. I will assimilate. This is the mall. Bikini warehouse. Must be a front for a brothel. I would like you to honor the coupon. That's just a cutout photo of Ryan Seacrest. Come on, Gizmo. Let her rip. <laughs> That's how we all learn. I'm back. You want me? Oh, yeah. Oh. What? How do you feel about taking the virginity of a dead ghost? It's your lucky night. <laughs> it delights me. <laughs> it just, it brings me such joy to watch that show. And every season has been good. And the most recent season has been, has knocked it out of the park as well. It's, it's just consistently funny from the first episode forward sure and can, uh, can i make an observation too uh on the the movie yeah yeah the original movie 
relies heavily on practical and effects and old school uh, film trickery, much in the same vein as uh, Dracula. The, the hallway yeah, fight scene is is literally they're turning the set, you know, rotating the set, you know, while they they fight and it makes it look like they're falling all over, jumping the on the walls yeah. and stuff like that. It's you know, God, it looks so good. The TV show, as Josh and I have, and Jason has often said, is basically Matt Barry could read the phone book and we'd all watch it. <laughs> it's just, it's just funny. Like when when people say, you know, like women love him, men want to be him. In my mind, what that conjures up is Matt Barry, because I, that is that is who I would want to be. After all that nonsense on Staten Island, I cut loose to Pennsylvania because it sounded like Transylvania. We all know that sounds cool. I infiltrated the township posing as your average American Yankee Doodle Dandy. And I took over Lucky Brew's Bar and Grill. The previous owner, he mysteriously disappeared because I killed him. Drinks on the house! And I've not looked back since. I now go by the name of Detona. Jackie Detona. And I'll tell you something. Jackie Detona's life, it ain't so bad. Not bad at all. been in this town a long time and we've never really met someone like Jackie. No one here knows I'm a vampire, apart from the people I've drained and killed, but they're dead now, so that problem's pretty much solved itself. This will blow your mind. If you are unfamiliar with the show, it's on Hulu, it's all of its uh, streams readily available. It's originally an FX show. I guess it's, I guess it goes on FX first and then they yeah. pick that like the next day or whatever, but it's primarily set in New York uh, on Staten Island. And so there's vampires who live in this old, so there's a couple of fun things. They're losers. It. They're all, yeah, that's, that's what I was going to try to say it differently. But basically you're, you're, you're dead on the money. There is that they're all like, they're tryhards is what, is yeah. what <laughs> they really want to be loved and liked by the vampiric community as they call it. And, and then, but they're also really mean to other like vampires in their social circle. But there's three main vampires, and then uh, who are like traditional vampires, and then they introduce this this recurring bit, which the fourth main character, which is Colin Robinson, which is an energy vampire who doesn't drink blood, but he he the way he survives is by boring his audiences or. Uh, or or sucking like, the life out of the sucking room. the life out of them by being an internet troll or whatever. And this is why Adam has a podcast. It yes. is. It's um, it's, it's very reminiscent. What, what, one of the subtle funny things about the shows, like, is that whenever Colin Robinson is named, it's always Colin Robinson. No one ever just says <laughs> Colin. It's, it, yeah. Like even the, like, these people that have known him for years, they call and his roommates call him Colin Robinson, and that, it's like well, it's it's like subtle. It's really subtle things like that that counterbalance the kind of overt kind of slapstick comedy yeah. that that really elevate the show because it's it's very like once writing. you clue yeah. in on it, you're like, oh my god, that's. <laughs> I also love the fact that, like, the gang's like, they don't even understand how he's a vampire. Right. <laughs> That's, yeah. Uh, and uh, and they have a familiar whose name is Guillermo. So I guess I should say it's it's a mockumentary style, like, a, you know, like The Office or, or whatever. But um, it's very Christopher Guest-esque. Yes. Yeah. 
It's Christopher Guest presents Bram Stoker's Dracula. <laughs> Basically. <laughs> in, yeah. in Blaine, Indiana. <laughs> so Guillermo is kind of the like unsung like he's our He does all in. the work. Yeah, and and he's the guy that kind of ties the whole plot together. I I, I don't say that he's the main character, but he sort of is. The early seasons are about him trying to He's the audience POV. Yeah, he his aspiration to become by his, through his loyalty to the family to become to be converted to a vampire and then the tw- the twist is is that he is a a long lost removed member of the Van Helsing family through blood, through blood. Like there's some subtle, like, I mean, it's not subtle, but the, the, the subtext of working hard for uh, a uncaring undead boss is like, it's like, it's like dedicating your life to a corporation Yes, on the promise that one day you'll be made manager. It's like Hank Hill. Like, yes. Like, like one day I'm going to be manager of, uh, Strickland, Strickland propane, propane. and th- so and there's a, there's a great episode where like all the familiars are like shoved in a side room, <laughs> and they're like they're like <laughs> super they're like just like they're like super old and stuff. Like one day he's gonna make me a vampire, and you're like and like it never clues in on him that that's going to be you, man. You're not gonna they're yeah. not gonna make you a vampire. They're just not. <laughs> and. They and they really lean in on all of the tropes, mm-hmm. like all the things, like the the mirror thing and the can't cross the threshold unless you're invited. Like every like everything in every movie, they just embrace it in totality. Um, so one of the things I really love about for me a, a good sitcom, which we talked about in the sitcom episode, but is long running inside jokes within the show that they revisit very subtly over many seasons where there's just bits. And this has a lot of that. Like if you, if, if you watch it and pay attention, like Josh says, like the, like the example being is they always say Colin Robin, there's just subtle things that they repetitively do, or there's background things happening that if you watch out for that, you'll see that are just funny. And they, it, those kinds of attention to detailed jokes that, that really is like, I'm the perfect audience for that. Like that's really mm. my favorite. Well, and again, like everybody in in it is great, but yeah. I have I have a soft spot for Matt Berry and his crazy pronunciations of things, and <laughs> just like how like, he emphasizes certain parts of words. Yeah, it's just just yeah. absolutely incorrectly, but it's <laughs> yes. like it's like mesmerizing. It's like and, like Matt yeah. Berry never varies in and like he, and his performance. Smarter than and he it, is, you know. <laughs> yeah, and it and it, but it's always like I think he just does a very good job of picking projects or you know create, but mm-hmm. creating projects that like fit into his um, wheelhouse because it's like it has not grown old yet, and he's just hilarious, and he's a great musician. Like like I unironically like his his music. It's got shades of early. Um, What's his name? The piano guy that's not Billy Joel. <laughs> ben Folds? Yes. <laughs> He's like early. <laughs> uh, the Benny and the Jets guy. What's his name? It's like so, some of y'all may have heard of him. <laughs> Alicia Keys. <Elton> John. <laughs> yes. It was very, I didn't even very, know Elton John's name. I can, I'm old man. I couldn't recall his name. I saw <laughs> I saw him in his Donald Duck outfit in my mind, 
as I often do when drifting to sleep. <laughs> Where are we going with uh, that? Like, well, that's what, oh, no. his, his music is reminiscent of his ah, kind of like more yeah. 70s stuff. So check it out. You know, you, it's it's not everybody's cup of tea. I really like it. There you go. So, the, so we just sold one more album of his. Right, so he, he owes us now, and he needs the money. So that's yeah. yeah. So he should probably he should probably just come on the podcast now. <laughs> <laughs> the long short of it is is, it, is obviously it's a comedy, and it's very. Um, I would say I think live action comedy is probably the best thing made since twenty twenty for me. I think it's just been consistently good like it's just it's that's, just that's fair yeah uh, that's fair i mean now and i obviously we all watch a lot of media but that this is and one it's that, awesome to watch with young children i would say that's not true that is not, <laughs> that is, there are lots of uh matt berry plays a british pansexual <laughs> who was a uh adult uh, actor in another pre you know lifetime plays so. yeah well <laughs> is yeah that's true he's just playing himself essentially yes also the theme song the opening is a song called you're dead by norman tenega since you were talking about music that is a i really really like the opening theme mm-hmm. so much so that if if you go and find her uh, stuff on so she's like a an obscure 1970s folk singer essentially mm-hmm. and all of her songs are kind of weird and like that like that they have that rhythm to them that was the decade of cocaine yeah well this yeah i don't know what i don't know what inspired the music of uh of norma taniga but it was it, anyway you should go check it out if you no joke josh you should go check it out it's the <laughs> you're acting like i already have it and didn't know oh, yeah, the tracks <laughs> Um, anyway, this is your pick. I didn't want to. I didn't want to step all over your pick. No, go ahead. No, uh, help me flesh out the details on this because I'm I'm kind of stammering <laughs> a little bit. But because like my instinct is to go into like my favorite jokes and bits, but that's not very productive for a yeah, podcast. Yeah, yeah, don't, not don't seen do it. that. But <laughs> a great main cast, but they've also yeah. had great uh, cameos and stuff. You know, Mark yeah. Hamill came in for mm-hmm. an all episode Re- or two. Rubens, uh, yeah. Oh yeah, the the end of the first season, like the yeah. the Council of Vampires, and they're all. It, it's amazing who they got. Like all these actors who yeah. played vampires in pretty well known films, even got Wesley Snipes to like, yeah, <laughs> do it. Yeah, <laughs> it's, um, it, it was a it was a brilliant bit. I enjoy, Chris, I loved it so much. Kristen and and Shaw, he plays Wesley as himself. Yeah, like, yeah. That's the funny. <laughs> Well, that's the fun. They all call themselves by their real names, even though they're like people that played because, like, they call Tilda Swindon Tilda Tilda. And, yeah. Like, so, like, they call each other by their real names, but they're all people that played. So the joke yeah. is that like the real actors are actually vampires. Yeah, it's very subtle. Dave um, Bautista, yeah. Danny Trejo, they're all in there. It's a really yeah, good. Um, Kristen Shaw has kind of like. Uh, been bumped up to, I'd say, like almost a main cast member. Yeah. She's in a lot of the promotional material now, and she was kind yeah. of just a, a guest. And she's just fantastic. Um, she's funny too, yeah. Yeah. Um, I have a weird attraction to her, I will admit. You may need to cut that, Jason, in case my wife ever decides to listen to the podcast. She won't. <laughs> yeah, she, she won't. won't. But is, uh, is, is it because I don't know. Man, is it the last man on earth that – is that where you like? It was before forward? that. It was before oh, was that. It? Flight of the Concords. Flight of the Concords. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Maybe maybe it's because I've always just wanted someone to love me as much as she loved the Concords. <laughs> 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 uh, 
That's funny. <laughs> not to get not to get to put a fine point on it. But... <laughs> <laughs> I'm a sad thousand year old vampire man. <laughs> okay, Josh, Josh, with that real revelation, we can finally stop the podcast. This has all just been therapy <laughs> for you. This is we're this is, this is we're all making my, our way to this breakthrough. This is all my final synapses firing as I lay in a pool of vomit. <laughs> <laughs> Death comes in the form of podcast to every man. <laughs> <laughs> I do want to say that you know the the TV show is, is hilarious, but the movie that it's based off of is yeah. yeah utterly brilliant as well. It's, uh, rare, it's rarely in streaming it. though, or like every yeah. time I try to find it, it, you have to pay for it if you want to get it in it. So Reese Darby as the as the werewolf pack leader is yeah 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 he, he, the, the rivalry funny. between the vampires, the werewolves, <laughs> one of the werewolves goes like cursing it, and Reese Darby's like, well, what do we say? We're werewolves, not swearwolves. <laughs> like that bit is just. Yeah, the, the oh. werewolves are like basically pretty nice people. <laughs> like until until they transform and murder everybody. But up until then they're just yeah. kind of they're just kind of blokes. <laughs> what what I love about the movie though is all the vampires represented are all like the, the tropey vampires. Like mm-hmm. Jermaine Clement is is clearly the Gary Oldman Bram Stoker's Dracula yep. vampire. Yep. And you've got one that's the Nosferatu and <laughs> The modern vampire, and also it, it's a very well thought out film. Well, uh, yeah, and it's just the absurdist humor of yeah. just what if vampires were real and they had to worry about rent? <laughs> and, and, it, and it embraces that what I was talking about earlier, which is that vampire movies always existed in the universe where vampires exist. <laughs> so, the, like the bit is, is every vampire movie starring real live humans; those humans are actually that's. You know, that's the joke. Like Sophia Cope was in it. And, you know, like it's all, <laughs> it's just good stuff. So anyway, that, that's enough about that. We can stop beating that dead horse, but there are literally dozens of, uh, of movies and TV shows and stuff. I, I mean, we could probably do this again next year and have all new content. The vampire and, diaries, yeah. twilight, my, my um, interview or interview with a vampire, not my interview. Like you know, my my, my, din- my dinner with interview with the yeah. vampire. <laughs> that's my favorite. <laughs> Call the mayor of Hollywood. I got a new idea. <laughs> Anywho. What's Wallace Shawn doing? <laughs> Has he been in a vampire in a movie? I'm trying to think. I'm sure he's he in my dinner with Andre. Yeah, I know, but has he been in a vampire? <laughs> I know that. I get the gist. I'm saying, has he been in a has he been a vampire? Because nearly every actor has, as it turns out. So, all right. Last question before we wrap it up: If are vampires you, real? Yes. If my you are vampires. <laughs> if you were a uh, what is your favorite vampire repellent or dispatching method, Josh? You go first. If you had to adopt one as your like signature super, thing. So- super soaker, super soaker. Okay. <laughs> Fair enough. Oh, does it have to have holy water? Or do you think the water stream is no, enough? It's just regular water, man. It does make a damage against uh, vampires. Look it okay. up. <laughs> <laughs> Said a book. Gotta be real. Yeah. All right. Books, books don't lie. <laughs> what about you, Jason? This podcast. There you go. 
<laughs> it reveals both the undead and alive. And <laughs> I have lived for hundreds of years, but I haven't felt it until this very moment. <laughs> it's worse than daylight. Make it stop. It, it kind of reminds me of the um, True Blood was kind of really super campy, but mm-hmm. it had its moments like um, Stephen Root played a vampire and like all that dude wanted to do was like sit and watch TV, and he wanted to become a vampire so he didn't miss any future Episode. television. <laughs> so like, like he was just like, oh, he was just a slobby dude that didn't have any friends or anything, and he just he just literally sat in his house and watched TV. He's us. He was a vampire <laughs> shut in. Yeah, and I was like, man, if vampires are real, there that would happen. Fair enough. <laughs> All right, then. Bill Dotrieve the vampire. What about you, Adam? I probably, same question. Same question. Back at you. Uh, I think my favorite bit is they can't cross the threshold without permission. I think that's just a funny idea. I don't know. It just always amuses me. That they're, very, they're, they're supernaturally polite. That's right. It's just an odd, <laughs> it's an odd thing to be. It's a very specific thing. I think the funniest way to... To get around that, or the way that that was that was, uh, I can't remember what it was. I've seen it recently, but it, like the the house he wanted to get into just had a welcome mat. Oh right, <laughs> oh right. <laughs> I know which, I can't remember that either, but yeah. Oh no, we're good. What's going in? <laughs> there is precedent for that in real life. There was that I think it was New Jersey or something. There was a serial killer that if your doors were locked and windows were locked, he would just leave you alone because he figured. You didn't want anybody coming in because the doors were unlocked. Were locked. Whereas, what is it? Uh, Crazy it's Joe the Hobo and Do you remember? He's like, "Oh, your door was wide open." Yeah, I like to encourage intruders. Remember that. <laughs> anyway, on that note, if you'd like to tell us what your uh, favorite bit of vampire lore is, uh, please do so. You can uh, do that by leaving a voicemail for us, which we'd love to hear. It's podcasters.spotify.com forward slash pod forward slash show show forward slash brick pit. Find us all on social media by looking for the Brick Pit Podcast or uh, email us brickpit at gmail.com. Until next time, thanks for listening. You know what vampires in the show have in common? They suck. <laughs> <laughs>